to the show this noon edition of sports with strawberry ice i'm your host the ice man jeff trunnapole and as always i bring you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of cincinnati ohio home of the 11 straight winning going for 12 cincinnati reds and first place cincinnati reds how cool does that sound now do me a favor if you found the show hit that like and subscribe button smash that thumbs up you guys are awesome I'm up to 2,226 subscribers. I got to write it down all the time. I got to keep adding subscribers. So I appreciate you guys. But if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? 2,226 people have. You should too. So if you haven't, go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for the notification. Every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chat. So if you got a question you want to ask about the streaking Cincinnati Reds or a question you want to ask Gary Miller, where he'll jump on about 12.05, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And as always, I come to you live from this glorious place down here. It's the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, we got a whole eight people watching right now. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a ton here. Oh, I said I forgot about this. I had to do Jackpot Joey. I wear it every single day, except for today. We're red stuff. I got the flag. We got the hats. We got the shirts. We got the beer coming back out sometime. I don't know when. But if you uh, are interested in supporting the greatest quarterback in the league, his name is Joe Burrow. We like to call him Jackpot Joey. Go to jackpotjoey9.com and you can make your purchases there. Portions of the proceed go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Foundation and the Joe Burrow Foundation. As you guys know, we had the Jackpot Joey golf outing uh, a couple months ago. We were able to donate a check of $10,000. That was awesome. We have a cornhole tournament coming up here uh, in August at Brink Brewery. Uh get more details uh, soon. I'll be able to tell you when and where and all that stuff. But 100% of that is going to go to the Joe Burrow Foundation as well. So, like I said, we got a whole two people watching now. <laughs> It's what down strangers in the comments. What is going on? All right, guys. So we have the streaking Cincinnati Reds going for 12 in a row. Now, the thing is, I know 
Nobody thought that they would be going for 12 in a row. I sure as heck didn't. Also, the Atlanta Braves are going for, they're on that winning streak themselves for eight in a row. Now, people ask me, because I've been kind of hard on the Reds. I mean, I did not like the rebuild. I did not like all the stuff I kept. I was under the impression that, well, I'm not under the impression. Every time they've ever done this before, it's never worked or they've never stuck with it. Right now, it's working. And it seems like that they are going to stick with it. You've got Ellie Villa Cruz, Matty Betts, Matt McLean, uh, Steer, um, Abbott, a- another one. You got four guys who just come out of the woodwork and are playing awesome. Now, they're in first place on January. What is it today? I keep saying January. Today is July. What is the date today? Tw- 23rd. On July 23rd, if I would have, if I would have told you beginning of the year, July 23rd, the Reds would be on a 12-game winning streak, not a 12-game losing streak, and be in first place by a game and a half, you would have probably tried to get me into a mental hospital because you said, there's no way, Strawberry. That's crazy. But that's what's actually happening. Now, will they keep this up? I don't know, but this is a big series coming out, and the town is going nuts right now. I think that all three games are pretty much sold out. I think it's just single seats, single tickets left available for, I know for tonight, I think for Sunday, and I, I think for Saturday as well, but I definitely know for tonight. Now, I'll preface this, and I'm not trying to be a downer at all, but the thing that does worry me is our starting pitching. Now, I said this at the beginning of the season. It's going to be a big time. The biggest thing this year, I thought, was to find out about Hunter Green, Nicolo Dolo, and Ashcraft, those three guys. I said, we're going to go how those guys pitch. Well, Ashcraft has been a dumpster fire. Uh, Lodolo has pitched good until he got hurt. Now, Hunter Green's hurt. All of a sudden, we got Abbott, who's pitching awesome. Went for his first three starts with no earned runs. Gave up three solo shots his last game. Kept them in the, in the game and let them win or helped them win. The thing is going down the stretch right now, we don't have these guys. Do you think it's time for the Reds to make a trade? Now, Nick Crawl has come out and said that they're open for trades, but I don't think they're going to sell the farm for trades. You know, they want to win this year because they're excited about what happened, but I don't think, I think they're still going to stick with the plan. Now, the one thing that I am hoping or what needs to happen, Ashcraft, I think, is pitching Sunday. Hopefully, this rest he got from the disabled list, because you guys remember a couple weeks ago, he took a shot. Off his calf, I think it was. And so it's a good excuse to put him on disable us, give him a, a mental break, be able to work up some stuff on the side. Hopefully he can come back and pitch like the Graham Ashcraft that we're all used to seeing. We need that has to happen because this starting rotation basically are five inning pitchers. You know, they are going to wear the bullpen out. You can tell Diaz the other night got the bases loaded, got the save, but was wore out. He did that day off. So that's what I'm saying is they're going to go how the starting pitching goes. And right now the starting pitching is keeping them in games, but I think they need to extend them. They need to pitch into the fifth, sixth, seventh inning, something like that to hopefully save the bullpen. 
anyway, we can discuss this as we go on. He has shown up. He's shown up on his day off. I appreciate Gary Miller. I know he tried to come on Tuesday, but then the Canadian Cowboy went off, and Gary had to go do his job. He Channel 12 wanted to go be live at GABP and not be a strawberry show. I, I know. I mean, you got to have priorities. I understand you. Know, your, your job over, over my podcast. But he's in the waiting room. Let's get to him. He's Gary Miller from Local 12. Gary, what's going on, man? Hey, good to be with you. Good, good, good. Just doing a little Reds conversation here, and um, with the big series coming up, I, I, I've been talking that uh, we're all shocked about how the Reds are doing. I don't think any of us thought July twenty third we'd be, you know, a half a game in front, in first place in the NL Central. I think this, this these series are huge with Atlanta coming in. They got an eight game winning streak. We got a twelve game winning streak. I think my personal opinion is I think we're going to find out what this team's made of. What is this? A do or die couple of series here. What, what's your thoughts about the Reds right now and the series coming up? I wouldn't say it's do or die because they're still in the NL Central. So, right. uh, and they're missing Strider and Elder right. from the Braves. Good. <laughs> just, just, just like they missed Jordan Alvarez from the Astros series. Right, right. But and then you know Baltimore, I think it's a legitimate team. So, and it's a road series so i think that's a a legitimate test but i i think it's more of a measuring stick and certainly better than the rockies i mean the rockies as i mentioned last night they've provided half of this braves win streak they got outscored 40 to 12 in atlanta before they came to cincinnati so that's a bad club that was missing the few pieces that they have um so I, I think it's going to be great to see if they can carry this, you know, what the day off will mean. I don't know if you want a day off in the middle of a streak this hot, but uh, right. seemed to work out before they hit Houston. Uh, I just think it's – and, of course, they didn't play well against Atlanta when they saw them at their place in April. So we'll see how far they've come. And the last time I, I started getting excited about this, we went uh, – and the Brewers came in town. And, you know, we got close, and if we had uh, swept them or won the series, we could have come out of the first place while the Brewers kicked our ass. <laughs> we won one game. Right. Now, this team is different. L.A. Dana Cruz wasn't there. Matt McClain wasn't there. You know, but I personally think that the starting pitching is the Achilles right now, which if you ask me at the beginning of the season, I said we go we go how Hunter Green, Lodolo, and Ashcraft go. Well, the only one that's really been any consistent, and he's on the injury list right now, is Hunter Green. We didn't expect Abbott. But right now you got Abbott. I think uh, Ashcraft is going to pitch on Sunday from what I heard. I don't think it's been announced yet, but that's, I think what everybody's thinking is going to happen. Do we yep. make a trade? I mean, or, or do we just oh, yeah. ride the wave till, the, till these guys come back? Because they are because they are going to come back. I mean, hopefully Hunter Green will come back. But I know uh, Lodolo is coming back. Well, yeah, Lodolo, though, I would, probably not till August. And August, who knows, right. you know, by then. It's, plus, it's going to take the rehab you know, warming up process. And then even if he is available, then when they first expect him to come back, you're talking about short outings, probably the first couple of times. So I'm not counting big on him, but I, you know, when Nick crawl said this week, Hey, we're a first place team. Are you going to be buyers or sellers? We still got a month until the little over a month of the trade deadline, but I would think definitely they're going to go after the kind of guys that they normally do. Um, you know, it's interesting that they would now they would be the team to acquire a Sonny Gray or right. a Wade Miley. Uh, I think the biggest roadblock to them is that both central divisions, every team is still in it. Right. 
So they're not only not prone to give away guys like that because they could still win the division. They're also going after him too. And a team like St. Louis that's eight games back, but still Uh, outsiders think that's one of the teams to beat. They may beat you to some of these guys uh, that are out there and they may go to a higher level than the guys I'm talking about. Exactly. I kind of agree with what Keith is saying here. He said, we don't need an ace. We need an innings eater as a starter. I I agree with that, but Lots of people need that, and like like you said, that's it's not like you can just go out there because people people keep saying go out and tr- uh, trade Nick Z- Nick Senzel, uh, you know, or, or uh, Barrero, and go get you a pitcher. Which yeah, I agree, I think those two are definitely viable trade options. But you got to find a trade partner. And I don't know, I, I know uh, Jeff Carr from Locked On Reds. I think is uh, uh, talked about Lance Lynn from the White Sox. I don't know if he's available, but I mean, that, that's kind of probably the pitching prospect i say prospect but type of pitchers i guess we're looking for yeah add. i think you're looking yeah like a third or fourth starter whose contract is up i don't know how, well i was going to say i don't know how lance lynn would play in great american ballpark but right. Sox park is even worse as far as giving up home <laughs> runs right. so and he seems to have settled down a little bit though he started off god awful but uh you know i think that's what you get because we're going to see this weekend against atlanta you know, can the Ben Lively thing continue? Will right. they score enough runs? Uh, that's one of the things that's benefited Abbott, despite, you know, along with not giving up any runs until the start <laughs> yeah, of the that, 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 helped, that helped a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to beat him when he doesn't give up anything. <laughs> right. But he's got an enormous run support as right. well. But I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I, I think Abbott's the most dependable guy in the rotation right now. Right. Yeah, because of how smart he pitches. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the stuff that the other guys do, but he's got great location, and I just love his poise. Uh, you know, Fraley talked about it after the game when they completed the sweep, said, you know, this guy pitches like he's – that was the most impressive. He felt like that was more impressive than the three shutout performances because he gives up three jacks and hung in there long enough for them to – tie it, and then pitch the sixth inning where he struck out the side. And at that point, you know, the Reds were ready to take over. Yeah, exactly. I know I know. he said, uh, you know, they got they got the uh, scroll streak right out, out of the way, right? you know, first batter, Jack the home right. run. But Abbott didn't care, you know. I mean, me, I was like, oh, man, they're with the streak. Uh, you know, I'm upset as being a fan. Abbott's like, give me the ball. <laughs> you know, it didn't phase him. So, so. That has been very impressive for, for me. Uh, I agree with you about, about Abbott. Now, we do have a, 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 a I think his name's Connor. I, I can't remember. There's a strikeout pitcher we have in the minor leagues, double A. He's, he's leading the minors in, in uh, strikeouts. I, is there, a, I can't remember. Right. Is there a chance that you think they might do what they did with Abbott? Because Abbott was in double A. They brought him up for one or two starts, triple A, and dro- brought him straight up. I mean, I'm kind of waiting for them to do that with the, the, this kid as well. What, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's possible. You know, I don't think it would come for, you know, I, I think they would jump him to AAA first and then, you know, just like they did with Abbott and see how that goes. And if it goes similar, what choice do you have? Because mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that Williamson and Lively are part of a rotation that's going to keep you atop the division. Right. For the rest of the season, I think they're more like spot starters. I, Lively's been great. I can't complain. And he, he's in a similar way to Abbott, although he's not nearly as effective. He's a gamer who will just battle uh, and 
keeps you in it. And with the way their offense is going, he's been good enough. So right. I would think that's a possibility. And I think also they've got to go after a, uh, a veteran bullpen arm or two to add to this mix. I know they need another lefty. I don't know if Aralis Chapman's the answer or not, but he's what, what do you, he what seems to be in? reborn a little bit. Yeah, do you, do you think that? he'd fit in? Would he fit in with this bullpen? Because he wouldn't be the closer. I mean, I know he's not the closer in Kansas City, but he's I don't know. I, I'm just not I'm not saying he wouldn't. I, I've just kind of heard some people question that if he'd fit in with this young team now. Uh it's interesting. You know, we'd we'd see him with Votto. Um yeah. yeah, they don't have a veteran. You know, I think it'd be interesting. I think I think Diaz would appreciate having him. And my concern about the bullpen, which has been great since it was a, you know, a house fire in April, uh, <laughs> is that Jabot and Young seem to be pitching every day. Uh, and you mix in Buck Farmer here and here and there, but they're going to wear. To, you know, it's still June, so that's why I feel like they got to get some more arms in there. And it seems like. With the way they kept Alexis Diaz out of the Astros series and then kind of a shaky performance against Colorado uh, in that last outing, then maybe he's getting some wear and tear too. So I, I think they need some depth in both the starters and relievers. Yeah, exactly. That's that's kind of what I said uh, before you, you came on here. That I, That's what I'm concerned about because we are starting pitchers only go five innings. Diaz, like you said, he looked wore out the, the, against Colorado. He, he looked spent i mean he needed a couple yeah it wasn't off. just putting guys away you know normally right. especially after you put two guys on you think okay well he's gonna bow his neck and these these next two guys are meat but he he's not he doesn't look like that at the moment so maybe some rest he hasn't pitched a lot this week obviously he didn't pitch in houston so maybe he'll be ready with this day off but that's something to keep to watch closely yeah and and with you know, the Reds uh, taking on Atlanta, the one, of the one of the best teams, if not the best team in, in the National League. We need all all uh, hands on deck. You know, we need everybody right. coming firing at, at full strength. So, I mean, it, like I said, this is going to be a very interesting series and, and how the Reds do. Now, this one thing, I'm not going to take credit for this. I, I saw this on Facebook before we started, but Lance McAllister put this out. He said, Friday will be the third time in the last 100 years where teams uh, start a head-to-head -head series on – uh, streaks of eight plus games. The Reds have won 11 and the Braves have won eight. So something's got to give. So you got two of the hottest teams going yep. at it. So, I mean, this is, and, and, and Gary, there's single, single seat tickets left. I mean, that's like awesome. Right, right how about that? I, mean, I know. I mean, that's, that's but like people like keep asking, like when the big ones are going nuts, like, you know, is this a football town or is this a baseball town? I'm like, it's a sports town. If you win, we will show up. I keep telling you, we sold out the Coliseum. And I'm going to date myself, call it the Coliseum. Heritage Arena, whatever you want to call it, for the Kelly Cup. When uh -huh. the Psychos won the Cup. We sold that out. We sold out Nippard when you see, you know, when they win. I mean, we, we sell, we're, we're selling out FC. I mean, shoot, the double dip the other day, they had like 50,000 people or something at the Reds game and at FC. Right. So, I, I, it's a sports town. That's just, I mean, this whole, it's Bengals full. We like sports, man. We like winners. If you're a winner, we're going to come out and support you. I think the other thing is that this is a really fun team to watch. Yes. yes. And it seems like they keep adding these attractions. You know, Votto's return. Obviously, Ellie De La Cruz two weeks before that. 
Abbott doesn't give up a run in his first three starts. Diaz is one of the more electric closers in the game. Matt McClain's making a rookie of the year campaign. So is Spencer Steer. Uh, Benson goes down, you know, hitting about 100 and comes back as one of their best hitters. Uh, and it's just the, you know, and then you got these, they're not currently pitching Ashcraft and Green, but got 100 mile an hour pitchers. Uh, there's just something about this team and the energy. And I think people love rooting for young teams because they feel like that's their team. You know, it's not like it's great as 01 was when we had Castellanos and the veteran guys and, and the, a lot of spirit that year. It feels like those were imports. You know, those are guys that you bought from somewhere else or traded. Even Miley, as, as great a story as he was with his no-hitter you know, it's like somebody else's guys. These, even though they were a lot of acquired in trades, they were unknown to Cincinnati fans in their double A AA and triple A days. And now they're like pure reds. They came up through our system. They belong to us. You know, and plus you have leftovers like uh, holdovers like Senzel, uh, Friedel sticking around. Fraley was in that trade. He hadn't done much with Seattle. You know, he didn't have a name. They just so, threw him in. He, he, he's been a godsend. He, he was just oh, an extra piece they threw in, dude. I, I, yeah. I, I got a nickname. By the way, I got a nickname for him if you can use on air if you want. It's, I've been calling him Rake Fraley. Yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. I mean, Jake the Rake. Yeah, because he, dude, he's he seriously, he's leading them in homers and, and if they're, he's so involved in everything. It, 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 like the catch he made in right field the other night at right center, I didn't know he had that kind of speed or that kind of coverage. I mean, the, he just he's just a very surprising player because you mentioned TJ Friedel and I was like Jake Friedel. I was talking to my son beginning of, this, of the season. He liked both of them, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're all right. I think they're more coming future bench guys. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> TJ is your leadoff hitter. Uh, well, I want them Jake to play more against lefties, but he's trying to get you know everyone some playing time, and he's doing it now on even a half game basis. Uh, mm -hmm. David Bell talked about that the other day that. He's so appreciative, like he takes Votto out of the last two games uh, for either a defensive replacement or a pinch runner. And Votto being Votto, you know, normally a, a guy with that stature wouldn't be too happy about that. But yeah. as he says, he just wants to fit in freely. And, uh, you know, Friedel sat Monday. He didn't right. start. Came, he came in as a defensive replacement. Then he has a four-hit game. Then he hits the RBI that knocks in the tying run against Colorado. You know, so it's amazing how these guys do have this team concept. And it it really shows in that dugout celebration. I know it almost does. every team's got one now. We but, have the best one, dude. I love it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's two parts. Yeah. <laughs> Three well, parts. Had, it's the, yeah, the, the bat to it with the helmet yeah. and whatever yeah. that red thing is. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think it's the bat or something. But I mean, seeing Joey Votto wear that the other night, and he came out did the curtain call with it was just freaking unbelievable. And so, uh, get, get to 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 Joseph Daniel Votto. I, I started calling him the Canadian Cowboy because of the you know the, right. the post or you know the red suit and the hat and everything. And yep. uh, just while, watching him. Come back, it has been awesome. And I was just surprised, Gary, how many Reds fans were messaging me and different things because I'm I did a whole thing like I was happy to see Joey Votto back. They're like, Oh, he's gonna mess it up, he's gonna mess the chemistry back, he's washed. I'm like, It's Joseph Votto, Joseph Daniel Votto. I mean, he's not coming back unless he's 100%. If you know anything about Joey Votto, he's not coming back unless he's 100%. And he said in the post game, he told some of his closest friends that he's gonna 
homer in either the first or second game. He didn't right. second at bat, Gary. The second at bat. I mean, I, smoked I, I, it too. Oh, smoked it. Were, were you one that was? I don't know if I'd bring Joey Votto back, or were you like it's Joey Votto? I mean, of course you're gonna bring him back. Where, where are you at on that whole thing? Well, I was, you know, obviously last year wasn't good, and we right. we don't know how much of that was the injury. Apparently, a lot of it, uh, and he had not done anything at Louisville to make you think, "Well, it's the old Joey Votto." Right. But then in that, you know, so I'm very grateful that the first game back was as potent as it was, because now I've got a little bit of a leash because the last two he hasn't done much. Right. Except get hit by a pitch a couple but, of times. He kind he kind of leaned in a little bit on that one. Oh yeah, it's in the strike zone. <laughs> And the other one off his foot. So, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, he has fit in because he made a point of it all the way back to spring training, uh, where you know they had this uh, talent contest, and Joey that was one of his first cowboy outfits. Or actually, no, was that was the Mexican thing, right? Yeah, where he, yeah, yeah. He, uh, but either way, he likes hats, uh, <laughs> and he likes to sing and he likes to act. Obviously, yeah. you could tell from his Instagram. So. From talking to the guys right before he came back, before he played that game, and, and especially after, they embrace him. Uh, he fits in as a piece they didn't really have with all these other guys uh, with that veteran presence. And he's he's not playing like – he's not acting like, oh, I'm Joey Votto. I've been here through all this. Uh, I've got all these franchise records. He's like – I want, this is fun. I want to be part of this. And, you know, I don't know. Did you see the exchange he had with the, uh, the on-deck circle the other day? With the no. fan posted, he was giving him uh, – and Joey engaged him. Yeah. And the guy was saying, and his friend probably was recording it or something. And uh, okay. so he says to Votto, who actually talked to him from the on-deck circle, not many players will do that. He said, I remember when you were good. And he said to the guy, I remember when you were thin. <laughs> so, they went back and forth a little bit. Uh, and Joey said, that, you know, basically the difference is I'm out here and you're in there. And that's where you'll always be. And I'm got ready to go up to hit. So he, uh, that's been a great part of the late career. Joey Votto has been the fan engagement. Uh, and it just escalates. It's just gotten more and more, especially with the social media contacts. Oh, he, he's he's amazing. I, I mean, I, I've said it from the from uh, he since he started doing the social media stuff. Beginning when he when he was a rookie, first five years, we didn't know Joey Votto. We didn't know. We thought he was just serious, you know, baseball. Yep. He's a freaking goofball, man. And I, I'm here for it. I, I love it. Now, I have a question for you. So you had to go down to GABP and do some live stuff. I think that was Tuesday. What was the atmosphere like there uh, the night after uh, Joey Votto? Because I, I, I think you did like four, five, and six, right? Didn't you work you down there? Yeah, for uh, yeah, for both Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, well, you know what's great is to see. Obviously, we've seen the Votto jerseys for over a decade, right? I'm wondering where some of these guys, you know, immediately got De La Cruz jerseys. We see McLean. You know, the, the only one I haven't seen, and this is the guy that I hope gets to come back and experience this. Stuart Fairchild, 
hit two home runs during this, you know, and fairly significant ones during this win streak. Uh, somebody had to go. Uh, obviously, Will Myers was one of them. So they lose right. the guy who won their, you know, talk about bonding with this team, that talent contest, and then they had the three-point shooting contest, which Myers won. <laughs> but I think that was the logical move. But yeah. if we get any more guys coming, activated, um, it's really going to be a tough decision. And I think Stu was a was a tough decision. He's played great. He's got speed. He plays a very good defensive outfield. And he's gotten some clutch hits. And I thought he was a great part of a platoon. But like I said earlier, I think Freeland Fraley have to start playing against both righties and lefties. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you said we got talent. We still got CES down there. And I'm still waiting for them to bring. Well, there's, well, there's the one. That's going to yeah. be a t- now. Who? That's probably going to be where the three catcher thing goes. But that's that's okay. I'm glad you brought that up. Are you surprised that they still have that? Because Stevenson, to me, I, I know he gets hurt. He's got to play catcher because I think he does. He hits better. It seems like when he's catching, yeah. he does okay DH. But he does, he's a catcher. I mean, they can't put, put him at first base. We got Votto. We got Steer. We got CES. That's got you know got to play first where he comes up here. So that whole first base thing is done. I know they're trying to save him from injuries, but I, I think it's you got to. He's got to be your everyday catcher at this point. I, I don't know what else you do with him. It's tough because Casali and and Maley have both become kind of like the regular catchers for a couple of guys in rotation: Hunter Green and uh, Abbott. Right. Uh, and I love what Maley's done. Yes. And, and thankfully, finding a power group for a guy that big, you know, I, I never understood why he didn't have many home runs right. in his career. But he's finding some of his power and he, he's a great influence, too. Uh, I was amazed at how horrendous some of the calls were on him Wednesday. Oh, God. After and they, they were and he, I would have been thrown out. Oh, Gary, I was going. I was kind of live streaming the game. I was kind of you know doing a little play by play or whatever. I didn't have the game on, but I'm talking about. It. I'm going. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's a ball four. I'm like, what? I'm like, twice you got that. And Friedle too, yeah. But his eyeballs. I mean, I'm like, what? What are you looking at? Like, how do you get it that wrong? I, I was. Oh, the umpiring this year has been horrible. That was so. Awful. I you know I I think the thing ice is that Stevenson's bat it's got to be better yeah it's you know he's we they've been saying on the broadcast so he's in a hot streak but where's that power right. you know that's right. what they really need from him he's getting on base he's hitting singles but I, I need the extra base hits from from him and i need him uh you know the whole idea was well, we want to preserve him put him at first base dh get him in almost every game somehow but it doesn't matter as much if he's hitting 243 and have three home runs that really haven't been of much consequence. Yeah, that, that's been the most, I'll say, shocking part of the season of the lack of production from from Tyler Stevens. Because, I mean, you know, beginning of the year, we're like, you know, your two franchise guys are Jonathan India and, and Stevens. Right. India's, you know, adapted to the, uh, bat number three, which I, I think is a good move. But Stevenson just hasn't been there. And it hasn't. And that's where I kind of like, is him getting because he's used to playing every day? I mean, since he's been up, he played, right. he was our catcher, he played every day. Now he's not, he's either DHing or sitting, or you know, the other guys have kind of replaced him as, like you said, a couple pitchers, number one catchers. So, and I, this isn't, I don't want this to happen, but is does that mean that maybe Stevenson is 
tradable. I mean, because you can go get a pretty good pitcher for Tyler Stevenson. I mean, I, I would. I'm. I'm not saying do that. I'm just talking out loud. I here. wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him now because his value is not what it was. Right. Uh, right. You know, he's what? and I think he'll come around. I mean, he's there's no doubt in his talent. Oh yeah. And absolutely. his size, his build, his acumen. And I think I remember talking to him in spring training about the switch, and he assured or you know tried to underscore oh i'm a catcher that's right. when i'm happiest i want right. to you know i'll do this other stuff for the team or whatever and if it keeps me you know healthier that's great but what i i am a catcher so and i think that's part of why you know now especially with Votto back uh and with strand playing some some uh, first base that now that that's kind of gone away and he's catching more frequently that I think that's part of why he's had a, a much better June than he did April and May. Yeah. So, I mean, eventually they're going to have to pick between Casale and Malley. I think, I hate to say I love Casale, but I think he's the one that's probably gone. Um, Malley has been a, a godsend, like you said. And and I, 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 I'm kind of reading the tea leaves about this whole America's team thing. I, it kind of sounds like he's the one that kind of started it. And people don't, some people don't get the whole America's team thing. It's, they're saying it tongue in cheek, but it's also like, and they keep saying, show up on time for the anthem, which I think is a David Bell rule. Like the only rule David Bell has, show up on time for the anthem, grind out at bats, play hard. That's what they mean by America's team. It's not, you know, it's not, they're not trying, they're being silly about it, but they actually believe this stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's like an in house joke. Yeah. Uh, but now, of course, it's gotten national attention the way media is now. Right. And the fact that they're so hot that they're, you know, and they got De La Cruz and they got Abbott and Votto comes back. They got a lot of attention on them. So when they hear these things or see that post-game interview with uh, India and McLean saying that and you see it nationally, you know, Cowboys fans get upset and they say, well, it makes them think they're America's team. We don't even know who anybody is on that team besides Votto returning uh, and Hunter Green throwing 100 miles an hour. But again it just kind of grew it's not what they meant right but it's become like a team slogan i've seen other team slogans that i can't repeat here or show on the air <laughs> on t-shirts the other day about a certain squad that they have uh for the pre-game rituals but um you know it's just it's just more of how bonded they are yeah and everyone buys in there isn't right. one guy who's not it's, it's you could tell when you walk in a clubhouse you just look around and it's just in their faces uh they love coming to the ballpark david bell said that the other day that he and all his coaching staff feel like that <laughs> that they love coming to the ballpark and a lot of it's because of who they have on this team and how they make them feel and how they play it's infectious i mean hell, i mean like i said the reds fans like coming to the ballpark the, the game's always sold out do they ever i mean you get try getting a seat this weekend <laughs> right i mean it, it sounds and i've i've or you always compare it to the the most recent thing you have to compare it to so i've been comparing it to the Bengals of 2021 and what you're just saying right there with camaraderie and how close that team is how many times have we said that about the the Bengals? Yeah. how close that team is we're saying the same thing about the reds and the thing is now when you're winning franchise, winning organization, it makes it a lot more fun, obviously. Right. But it's not. But it's it's also the, the the you can just see the joy of how much they like each other. That's yeah. That's, you always see that. I'll, I'll I'll say that. It's genuine, and they have you know. There's a lot of disparate personalities there, but you know because Fraley's kind of a laid back, quiet, serious guy. But 
he fits right in as well as anyone. Friedel's kind of a goofy. He, he talks a lot. Yep. McLean doesn't talk a lot, but he's just a blood and guts diehard lifer and baseball guy at his young age. He already yeah. looks like he's been around forever, just like Abbott. So right. they, they all kind of fit together. And the thing that was amazing to me the other day, and I'm not sure how this came about because the Bengals are on their break right now, mm-hmm. but uh, Fraley mentioned that the Bengals have been showing the Reds tapes to show really? them. Yeah, as an example. So I'm not sure. I know there's guys still working out and it's coming to the facility and stuff, even though they're on a break. So maybe it's showing them, but I'm trying to figure out how that exactly happened. But what does that say that the way you just described the Bengals, that now they're showing Reds tapes to show energy, camaraderie, uh, team building, uh, sacrifice for the team instead of the individual. So that that's that's about as great a statement as you can make, because that Bengals team, even when they bring in new guys like Orlando Brown or, you know, whoever has been added to this mix or the other draft picks, uh, they immediately feel like they've been there for years. Now, one thing about that, and, and I've, I've been as hard on David Bell as anybody, I, I, I I've, gro- I've grown to understand him a little better, I guess. I, I couldn't stand the way he managed at first. Uh, point blank, I think he overmanaged. I still, still times where I think he micromanages. But what he, the culture he creates, I think sometimes is more important than the yep. decision he makes on the field. So I will give him credit for what, because there's never been a player ever that said a bad word about David Bell. They all love playing for him. And I, I think he needs to get more credit as to what, he's helped cultivate here then I don't know if he's getting it or not. Cause I mean, he's got a bad rap in there just cause we're all, we, he hasn't won, <laughs> you know, and he's had bad teams. And there's been times I'm like, well, what's it supposed to? Cause I remember 2021, you mentioned it earlier, you know, we're fighting their asses off trying to get to the playoffs and we have a gaping hole in our bullpen. And I'm like, what the hell is he supposed to do? You know, right. there's only so much, there's only so much he can do. And right now he's managing his ass off. I think the, the way he's, working the bullpen, the starters, because like I said, we had three of our starters go out, you know, and what he's doing right now, I, it's working, Gary. And well, last, I don't know, but what, what's your thought on David Bell and uh, how good or bad of a job he's done this year? He's an amazing character and, and a guy of incredible character. I mean, he's just, what a guy. He's just impressive the way he conducts himself, the way he treats people, uh, the integrity that he has. But I noticed a huge difference in Goodyear um, this February when he got the team. You know, I mentioned the talent show in a three-point contest. And some of that generated from his coaching staff, like J.R. House, and, you know, some of those guys uh, had a big role in that too. But they made a point of that from day one. I remember because we have to wait outside where they're having these team meetings, and they can sometimes last an hour when they're first getting together and, like, describing, okay, here's what we're going to do this year. This is our – kind of our motto and that was kind of laid in from day one that's when they first gathered at spring training when they first had pitchers and catchers and then the first full squad a few days later those were those meetings they were about you know what are you willing to do for the team uh how are you contributing today what what is your uh i'm trying to remember what they wrote on the whiteboard as a message, but they had something about, uh, 
you know, taking personal responsibility, but for the team. Right. And they all said that was a great comment that uh, Fraley made the other day. He was asked, you know, what's it like when it's your turn? Because it's a new hero every day. You know, somebody right. who's in, he had the big home run. And he said, you know, I almost have more fun when it's somebody else. <laughs> See, really? Seeing, well, because he gets so happy for them. Right, right, right. Um, right. Oh, that's a good so thing. Yeah. Imagine that. Right. And then Bell right. says, you know, because Bell was on a 116-win team that won 15 in a row in Seattle and then got bounced in the first round of the playoffs. It was right after the Griffey trade. Yeah, um, I remember. So he says, you know, I've been around some great – and he was talking about, like, taking Votto out or, or right. you know, having players have days off that they don't want. He says, you know, nobody wants to come out. They think that they could do a better job than – they could finish the job or they can get the hit or run faster or whatever the situation happens to be. And he said, he's been around teams and I would imagine that was one of them. (laughs) They had some veteran players and they won, you know, they only lost 40 something game, 116. And what would that be? 46. (laughs) So, uh, but he's, he's so uh, heartened and inspired by the fact that he's got guys who will just do whatever it takes, whatever he says is best for the team and trust mm-hmm. that that's the right decision. Well, and one thing I, I like about David Bell too, he mentioned this the other day, I think about the winning streak, I think it was, where he, oh, okay, we 11 in a row, I think his grandfather, Gus, yep. was on the last time. And and, and how, that, and that's what I do like that David Bell and the Bells are part of the right. I mean, the Bells are, Cincinnati royalty from from Gus to I grew up with Buddy and then I watched I watched David play. Now he's manager. I mean they are Cincinnati royalty, baseball royalty. But to hear him talk about what it means to be on a team to win that many. Last time his grandfather was on the team. That's just cool. I think I mean, it's just that doesn't happen every day. You know, not everybody has that heritage that the Cincinnati Reds have. And David Bell knows the stories. He knows. He wasn't there, but I'm sure his grandfather and his dad have told him stories about, you know, these teams that that they were on and what they're doing right now. Yeah, he talked about that. He said, uh, in fact, he said he had thought about it because he had heard something about that before they won that 11th game and got within one. But those 50s teams were powerhouse. The mm-hmm. 56 team uh, made the World Series, unfortunately, got swept by the Yankees, but uh you know, a 57 team finished at second, I think, but, you know, that 12-game win streak. Yeah. But th- those were great. Frank Robinson, you know, had just broken in on those teams. But, yeah, yeah, he said that Grandpa Gus, the thing that he said the most about those teams was how much fun they had. Right. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, winning is fun. But <laughs> yeah. these guys, they're having a lot of it. You know, obviously <laughs> this win streak won't go on forever. Yeah. But – the thing that we noticed before they went on the streak and got in the first place, they were in every game. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was never over. Right. And in fact, right. a lot of their stuff was done in the seventh, eighth, and ninth, a game that we thought was lost. Yep. Suddenly, the tying runs at the plate, you know, and that happened almost every night. Now, I got to ask you about Wild Thing. R- Ricky, Ricky Karcher, I think that's how you, how you say it, or he came in. The his his interview with Jim Day has got to be one of the greatest ones I've ever seen in my life because he was gone. He was not there at all. The whole dugout is full. They're all up on the rail, chanting Ricky, Ricky, and they dump the water on him. He he dropped the O bleep, uh, you know, on air. Right. 
like, and I, I have, do I have the graphic anymore? Let me see. Let's see if I have that graphic of his pitch chart. Yeah, here it is. <laughs> that was his oh. pitch chart right there. I'm like, Gary, like, how in the world did he even get out of that? Is is ridiculous. But that's the stuff that's been happening on this team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think definitely the moment was overwhelming for him. But I think that's also that is Ricky Karcher. I think he's he's just one of those guys, you know, who just hey, I just I just like baseball. You know, he he doesn't think it out. He just goes in these old country rear back and throw it, not sure where it's going. You know, there was no reason in the world for him to be called up in the first place. And here he finds himself in a crucial extra inning game, you know, with they had just gotten the lead. Yep. And now it's all on him. Yeah, because Farmer and, yeah, gives up. and he's throwing it all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's that fits right in, right? It's right. I don't know if we'll ever see him again. In the big <laughs> we league. might not. I mean, I, I, he actually. I was watching the uh, LSU. Um, uh, uh, who was that? The college uh, Wake Forest last night. Yeah, L- LSU at Wake Forest, and the kid who hit the home run for LSU. When I interviewed him at the end of the game, he just kind of like. I was on the fastball, and I'm like, "Oh my God, it's Ricky!" <laughs> he answered it kind of <laughs> the same way because they were both just poof, like, "Holy crap!" I, you know, they just—they were just—I can't believe what happened. You know, they weren't mentally there. That, That's—I that, thought that first time when I saw the interview last night, I thought of Ricky immediately. So mm-hmm. I just thought it was—it was funny to 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 just see the reactions like that. Like you had no words for what just happened, what you just accomplished. It's just very- yeah, I used to do those. Uh- on-field interviews for ESPN for games, and right. it's it's the unlikely, you know, it's the unlikely heroes right. that give you that stuff. The Jeters or whoever, they, you know, they're poised, they're used to it, they have done this ten times before. It's the guys who, you know, the backup catcher who hits a game-winning homer, or a guy like Karcher, you know, who isn't even sure why he's on the staff, gets <laughs> right. one of the big saves of the year. They're like, is this really happening? <laughs> so, it's... so, so that being said, what what was the one of the most memorable on field interviews you, you you've done in your career? You got one off the top of your head you can think of. There, you're like, this dude has no idea where he's at, or just it's excited to be there, or uh, anything like that. I think when, when the Yankees beat uh, the Braves in '96, they came back in that series, which we thought Atlanta was on its way to repeating, and then Layritz has this you know, big hit and it kind of turns the series around. Joe Girardi had a big hit in that series. Um, That's right. Um, But anyhow, so after they win, they had been in the clubhouse and Wade Boggs is a fairly, he's not only a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Fame drinker. And I think he had imbibed quite a bit of the ceremonial champagne. Right. So, he came out, and yeah, he didn't know exactly where he was, and he ends up riding a horse around the yeah. field at Yankee Stadium. And I that. <laughs> so, those are some of the most memorable are are celebrations. They right. can be very messy, and make sure you don't wear anything you want to keep. Um, they all wear goggles now, so they don't get the champagne in their eyes. Exactly, yeah. But I was I was there before they learned that trick, right. uh, and and they tend to focus on reporters, especially female reporters. Um, with the champagne blasts and, and uh, you know, kind of like usually in good fun, but occasionally there's a, 
Dion and Tim McCarver moment. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. He 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 was just dumping water all over McCarver. God God rest McCarver's soul. I know he passed away here recently. Yeah. Um, now one thing now with the Reds the way they're playing right now, and we a lot of like my son, he's used to baseball station to station trying to hit home runs and all that stuff. When I grew up in the 80s and set late 70s, early 80s, it wasn't like that. You hit and run, you steal bases, you know, it's fun, which is what this yeah. team is doing, which is what I kept complaining about from for years. I'm like, they don't, nobody moves the ball. And people are like, baseball's boring. I said, like, yeah, because everybody's standing around waiting for a three-run homer. I'm like, exactly. I was, I won't say I was against the pitch clock or any of that stuff, but geez, oh, Gary, all of it's worked. I mean, to be honest, and but but it's the Reds are like that anyway. I think this is the, the new, I don't want to say new age of baseball because it's not. It's the way you should have played baseball anyway. But I think this makes it more fun and more interesting. I think it's going to start bringing people. It's bringing people back to the ball game. It's more exciting. I mean, what's your thoughts on the way the Reds play compared to the way other teams are playing? Because I think we're second in stolen bases in baseball, I think. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. You know, the 80s, I wasn't a – you know, I hated the Cardinals because I grew up a Cub fan. So <laughs> the Cardinals were you know, playing they, on that turf. And, you know, they had Coleman and McGee. And, you know, everybody – her, everybody on the team could run. Yep. And they had that after turf field and those little sliding pits. Uh, so they would just pepper you to death. And they had great pitching. But yeah. it seems a little different. Um, the one I really love is getting rid of the shift. Yes. Because uh, well, you can still – they're still kind of cheating quite a bit. And you yeah. still got to be a good hitter, you know, to beat that. But um, I'm amazed that just adding a couple inches – you know, so a case on to the base. Right. But it's not only second base, it's bigger, so is first. Mm-hmm. So you're that right. much closer. And the Reds are just taking advantage. You know, you wouldn't expect Jake Frey. He doesn't expect himself to be a base-stealing leader for the Reds. But right. I don't think that'll last that long with Ellie up. But, um, right. Right. you know, Friedel, every McLean, almost everyone in that line to steer is kind of deceptively uh, – yeah, he'll steal a key base here and there. Uh, Fairchild was a, a very fast runner when he was on the roster. Uh, Senzel can definitely steal a base. So right. I think Vado's may be the only Vado, Maley, Stevenson, and Casali uh, may be the only guys you won't see taken off. Uh, and that's a great element. And, it, you know, the other thing, it adds excitement whenever you get a guy on. Is he going to go? Uh, that was a great thing in that uh, college game you mentioned last night at the World Series was – uh, I'll let you got a guy on, and my God, that guy was so fast. And mm-hmm. what count is he going to go on? It, yep. it was a crazy play in the day game Wednesday against the Rockies. Ellie was already at second base, yes, and friendly on a hit and run, you know, didn't get enough of it and pops up and they double him off. Another one where there's a bunt and he pops it up to the catcher and it turns into a double play because they're running, right. but it's worth it. You know, because more often than not, it pays off and it puts so much pressure on the other team. And I've seen so many times where it takes them out of what would have been a routine double play. Yep. Now, let's you've been on for almost an hour. I don't, I don't want to keep it much longer, but I do want to okay. get, 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 I appreciate all the time you give me. Um, but I do, we haven't even touched on Ellie. You, you mentioned it a little bit there. What they, I think they've lost two games since Ellie's came up. The impact right. that he has, I mean, 
I, I don't remember a time where I've seen a guy, we're talking about speed here, in Houston. He hits a line shot down to first base. The first base dives, makes a great place. Ellie busts his ass down, down the line and dives and is safe. He beats it out. He beat out an infield hit you know, to shortstop to score a run right. in Kansas City. I mean, the stuff he does, we're going to talk about the freaking home run he hit that almost hit out of the damn stadium, but the speed is – People say Billy Hamilton. I'm like, yeah, but Ellie can get on base, and he actually hits the ball on the ground. Billy Hamilton didn't. I mean, just the impact Ellie has had on this team. What, what's your thoughts on him, and, and how good can he be? Well, you know, I, I defer to talking to Barry Larkin and uh, Eric Davis in spring training about him when he was, you know, just a notion. We knew he'd probably be up at some point this year, but we didn't know when. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know he'd go nuts like he did uh, after a very slow start and an injury in April. Um, But they, you know, and they played, Eric himself and Larkin's a Hall of Famer. You know, they know what greatness is. Yeah. And they both universally said, this guy is special. I mean, he's just not, he's a superstar in the making. He's not Mm -hmm. just a talent. He's not just an all-star. This guy is an all timer mm-hmm. uh, because of the tools he has, but also his makeup. He's he's a baseball guy. He's not you know, like some of the guys that have come up, Jazz Chisholm um, and Orlando. Uh, oh God, what's his name? With the uh, who's injured right now for the Pirates? Um, oh, oh, uh, uh, no, O'Neill Cruz. O'Neill Cruz. Yes. Uh, although I think O'Neill Cruz is a little has his head on a little straighter than Jeff Chisholm. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, who right. was you know they made the world of him last year in the All Star game, and now he's struggling to hit two fifty. Um, I think that especially because he's the youngest of nine, I think Ellie has a maturity about him. Uh, Along with that incredible cachet of uh, style, and there's just something about him that just draws your attention right right to him, mostly because he moves at 100 miles an hour. But right, he just you know, he he hasn't even started to hit for power except for that one home run that Dominic got the other day, should have been a pop out. Uh, talking about speed, yeah, the home run he hit the other day should have been a pop out, and it it went out and left the stadium. So he's um, so I, yeah, I can't say enough about him, and I think we're just starting to scratch the surface. And what I what I notice about him is how much pressure he puts on the defense. We've seen guys in the outfield hurrying throws and overthrowing bases, you know, and the, that's the worst thing he can do with De La Cruz on because he may score, he may take the next two bases. Yep. Uh, but I've seen it time and time with guys in the infield hurrying throws, and if they don't, he's going to be safe. So that element alone, now wait till he starts finding the power that he truly has right. from both sides of the plate. Uh, and you're talking about, like I said, a generational talent. Exactly. I mean, I, I call him the most electrifying man in baseball. I mean, I, I got my – I'm working on getting my Elliott jersey. I, I haven't gotten one yet, but that's that's the next one I want to get. But I mean, he – I'm so excited to see him play the next couple of years. The sky's the limit for him. I mean, it's – uh, he reminds me of, and people ask me who he reminds me of. Like, as far as Reds go, he reminds me of young Eric Davis. I mean, his yep. body type. And now the batting stances are completely different. Now, if you remember Eric Davis, like, like my grandpa would always say, oh, Eric Davis always got hurt. I know, but do you remember 1987? <laughs> do you remember 86? 
he was one, if not the best player in baseball during those years. Oh, so, yeah. So, I mean, if he, the injuries, if he could have stayed healthy, he would have been a Hall of Fame player, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. Like Ellie is on but if he's a big influence on Ellie. That's why he wears 44. I mean, he's he's known him since he was, I think, 16 in, in the Dominican. He and Larkin have known him for five years since they first signed him. I, I love that he's wearing 44. I mean, that's just – that's an iconic number around here. I mean, you got – Yeah, Dunn. I don't think he's wearing it for Adam Dunn. <laughs> no, no. He, <laughs> and Adam Dunn, they, they might have the same power, but that's a There's some contrast there. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, Gary, you've been on for an hour. I, I appreciate you coming on on your on your off day. So um, I, I tell you to plug yourself, but I think everybody knows where you're at. You got, you got anything you want to? You got anything cool coming on Channel Twelve that you want to plug before I let you go, or anything like that? Well, you know, we'll be there uh, every night. Chris Rankle's going to be there tonight at four, five, and six with this sellout crowd. Uh, the Bengals. We've got some great stuff coming up when camp opens at the end of July. Um, and uh, one of the things we did was some sit-downs with Orlando Brown, Ted Karras, uh, Miles Murphy, and DJ Reader. Long extended interviews in which we can ask them about non-football stuff. And some great little nuggets came out of that. Those are coming up uh, that opening week of camp and also in our preseason special that we do with the Bengals, which is a great contribution because they have access to so much stuff, um, right. including the NFL film stuff. And then I guess the other would be, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to, it's hard not to be there tonight. You know, maybe I'll change my mind and Chris and I work together, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just going to be amazing to watch this weekend but the one I'm really curious about is next Friday. Yes. I don't think moving the game up an hour is going to be enough. And those cross-firing, red sellout, Friday night fireworks, and Taylor Swift yeah. at Paycor Stadium crowds. Oh. It's going yeah. to be a madhouse. <laughs> get there at noon. You're right. You might get there at noon. You might get in by the time the game starts. and You might get home by noon the next day because it's going to be crazy down there. I mean – I'm going on vacation. I'm leaving tomorrow, so I won't be here. I'll be watching on TV somewhere. But yeah, it's it's going to be nuts down there. I mean, I love the banks, but I want no part of being down there next weekend. It's going to be just crazy. But anyway, Gary, I appreciate you coming on. Let's say, hey, if you ever need another, you know, extra guy on Channel Twelve, you know, you can always hit me up. I'll I'll, I'll be glad to jump on for you. We'd love to have you. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Appreciate you, man. Take it easy. Anytime. Good spending time with you. See ya. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Gary is an awesome dude. Like I said, he was trying to come on earlier this week, had to go uh, do his job, but he was uh, nice enough to come on his off day and spend an hour talking to me about the Reds, which is, like I said, I think they're most, the most exciting team in baseball right now. It's going to be a lot of fun tonight. If you want tickets, there are only single seats uh, left available. So, I mean, it's, it's a madhouse. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I will be watching it tonight. I'm not leaving until tomorrow, but this is my last show before I go on vacation. Like I said, if the Bengals or, or anything cool happens, I might go live from my phone on vacation. Who knows? If they sign Joe Burrow, I'm definitely going to go live, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, just want to give a shout out to the Facebook groups that let me live stream, and I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then you follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. 
I will be pulling out the sound later on tonight. Putting I don't know, later on today, putting on the podcast on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a five-star review so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. 2,226 subscribers. I appreciate it, every single one of you guys. If you're watching Facebook or Twitter, please subscribe to the channel. Um, if you can help me out, just tweet the show out, share it on Facebook, share the podcast out, you know. Because the only way anybody finds out about me is because of you guys. You no, know, that's the only reason I get to interview guys like Gary Miller. Or I've had Ted Karras on, and, and and I've gotten to talk to Chris Welch, just Dan Hoare. Just the list of people I've gotten to talk to is awesome, and it's all because you guys watch and you guys share it and you guys tell everybody about it. So I appreciate you guys, honestly, from the bottom of my heart. Like I said, 2,226 subscribers. I love you guys. I'll see you after my vacation. Other than, well, maybe I, I might come on. You have to wait and see, but subscribe. Other than that, that's your sports, baby. See ya!